Greetings and salutations. Uh, welcome to uh, episode seven of what we're listening to. Uh, as always with me is my good friend Asher. How are you, buddy? Yeah, not too bad, man. It's getting <laughs> colder and darker and wetter here, but, uh, but I'm well. How are you? Let me hit you. Let me hit you with a small hypothetical. So I was watching a video that had Paul McCartney in it yesterday. Mm. Um, if for some reason you had a, like a famous musician's instrument in your collection, would yeah. you ever play it? Uh, yeah, I would. I think I would. Why is that? Well, so Paul McCartney did this like video to raise money for some kind of musical museum, I think. And mm. it's like the Saints go marching in. And he's playing a trumpet, and I'm pretty sure it's Louis Armstrong's trumpet he's playing. And he's not a very good trumpet player. He's kind of like <laughs> dooting along. And I know he collects instruments because he's all his famous basses, aside from his own, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it feels kind of intimate to me, you know? I mean, I think that it would be a bit of a shame not to play an instrument which is very f- famous. You know, I'm a bit yeah. more of the ilk of, oh, it's such a lovely thing. I don't want to just put it on a shelf and stare at it like... That would be a bit sad. In the same way people like buy Stradivariuses and they don't just leave them on shelves, they actually play them and insure them for a million dollars. That's fair. I don't know. Let's That's go grab Louis, Louis uh, trumpet and play it. So I gather you you wouldn't play it. I probably not a a brass instrument. I would play like something that had strings on it. Something that like somebody hasn't breathed into for like <laughs> hours upon hours. <laughs> or put their lips on, yeah. Yeah, well, you could change the mouthpiece, but still kind of, I don't know. That seemed intimate to me. Maybe that's me being weird. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> uh, catch-up. Any yeah. catch-up to do, buddy? Um, so I didn't get a lot of... I had a very busy couple of weeks, as you did as well. And so I didn't have mm-hmm. time to do as much of my usual listen-to-the-playlist kind of thing. Um, but I did listen to Idol's new single, Um Oh, so that's one of mine. Yeah. Um, so Ultra Mono. Um, I loved that single grounds. Um, because Mr. V- Motivator came out a while ago, and that's one of the other singles on this new album. But um I listened to Grounds quite a few times and I love that synth part. It's really interesting hearing them branch out. Sorry if I stole yeah. your thunder on this one. <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh like a new sound palette. But mm. still just like completely brutal to listen to. Yeah, those triplets. It's just like fantastic. All the like it's like heavily mic'd drums. Like the like the mic has to be like inside the drum kit. It's so just like booming. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. It feels it still feels raw. And apparently they're releasing it in mono on some records. Yeah, I'm I may have ordered that version. You got the mono version. Yeah, the, the, I'm a sucker for a crystal clear um, vinyl disc. So, okay, uh, it, am I missing something? Is there something really special about mono? No, not really. Okay, I, I mean, um, <laughs> when stereo first came out, people thought that it ruined sound because, like, sound is less focused in one direction. But that's yeah. obviously kind of silly. Honestly, yeah, yeah. No, it's cool, and I almost wanted to get that tape. I might still, who knows? <laughs> it's got that ridiculous font on it, like the Metallica font. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but um, I've only got one other piece of follow up was um, I was listening to the current Joys live um, tracks that you put on the playlist. 
Oh, yeah. And I liked them. They were kind of a bit happier than the record sounded. <laughs> and, um, yeah, a bit boppier. And it was nice. It was. It really has felt like a bit of this week has been kind of going back in time. It feels more like the, the late 90s. Um, yeah. Yeah. In sound. So, yeah, just some of the things I've been listening to and something you gave me and stuff, like I've just been in that sound. So, yeah, it reminded it's me of that. A very, very 90s for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's um, all me. Probably uh, a biggest piece of catsup from me. I Honestly, this deserves like an actual review, but the new Phoebe Bridgers album came out. Um, right, yeah. Mm. Um. Like I, I could do a review on it, but honestly, there's so much out, and we don't have enough time for it. Um, but it's it's good. It's really good. Eight, like I'd say a solid eight out of ten. Um, a great second album. Um, mm. This is kind of like sensation you get when you listen to it of like drowning, like emotionally, but also sonically. It's, it feels kind of like warm and f- like fuzzy, like as you kind of like underwater. So it's really it's it's a cool album. I really like it. I've got it on the wish list, and I am intending on listening to it soon. So maybe if you chuck a couple of favorite tracks on the playlist, I'll give those a listen and then go from there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, no, it's totally been that kind of couple of weeks with too many things to listen to and review. So, yeah. Yeah. Shall we uh, head into, is there any more or do you want to head into the reviews? That's all I have. Cool. Um, all right. So uh, this week, or oh, sorry. This episode, I've been listening to um, a band called The Harmed Brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, they just put out their new album, Across the Waves. Um, so one of my uh, guilty pleasures musically is um, like full-on uh, banjo twangy uh, bluegrass and like Heartland Americana. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Old Crow Medicine Show or the Felice Brothers or like Trampled by Turtles. I love it all kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if that's a guilty pleasure for you. Oh, maybe. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm not American. Uh, <laughs> so in like 2012, I did some like searching for new bands that were doing this kind of stuff. And so I came across this musical duo called the Harm Brothers. Hmm. Um, and they were making kind of nice... Um, earnest banjo driven folk rock and their albums are really interesting but they're mm. like very like underproduced and indie and they're on Bandcamp and that kind of stuff mm. <clears throat> um so this new album is kind of like it's much tighter songwriting much higher production value and uh, it's a really great set of songs this new instrumentation kind of front to back um yeah it's more rocky than their old stuff it's more like like early 80s Springsteen or like the band from the 70s, mm-hmm. maybe even some Bob Seeger. Um, but it still kind of carries with it the kind of like frustrated attitude that you get in like Southern like bluegrass songs that are always like kind of like lamenting or like unhappy about something. Yeah. When I think it, it would you put the Avett brothers in that same category? Early Ava Brothers, yeah. Before okay, they started yeah. making like piano ballads and that kind of stuff. But the lyrics are still that kind of, yeah, frustrated yes. sound. Yeah. Like some of their songs, uh, one, one song is called uh, Funnies. And it's about like an old man who's like waiting to die, getting frustrated about like reading the newspaper every day. Um, 
Sounds or dark. Like some, <laughs> yeah. But it's like a up it's like an upbeat song, you know? And then yeah. um you know, like there's ones that are like frust- frustrated with the idea that like grass is always greener. It's all the same. You might as well kind of stay where you are and kind of get along with it. So mm. um I- I've been really enjoying this album a lot and I just kinda wanted to give some more attention because I think the Harm Brothers are really great. Mm. Um they're masters of the double down chorus. Um what do you mean by that? So like you have like the first chorus after like the f- maybe like the last verse in the song and you have the chorus again but slightly differently. They do that all the time and they're really good at it basically. Nice. Like you, um yeah, I think they deserve more attention, you know. They're really great. That's cool. I think I mean, I haven't listened to that kind of music in a while. I think I went through a big phase of listening, yeah, trampled by turtles and all that sort of thing um, a few years ago. And I haven't heard anything like that since. So I'm definitely up for that. Yeah. This is, this is much less on the bluegrass spectrum than trampled by turtles are. Okay. Yeah. Like, there's no like no fiddle solos or anything. This is like, like old seventies kind of guitar solos with like American, American rock kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've been really enjoying listening to this album a lot, actually. That's cool. Nice. What What are your some yeah. um, some of your favorite tracks on it? Um, probably the opener, mm-hmm. and then uh, funnies. I actually enjoy that song a lot. Mm. Um, maybe uh, where are you going? There are a couple slower songs at the end. There's um, a couple slower ones which are nice too. Mm. Sounds good. The Harmed Brothers. Yeah. Is there any yeah. purpose or meaning behind that name? I I don't know. Uh, the, it's mostly uh, so it's a band, but the songs are mostly written by two guys, and they kind of take control of the whole thing. So maybe they're talking about themselves. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. How would yeah. you How would you rate it? Like, uh, or is it too early? Or what do you reckon? I'd like. I mean, for me, it's probably like an eight or a nine. Hmm. Um, like really solid, especially in like summertime. It's that kind of music, you know yeah um but yeah it's good nice is there anything else you wanted to say about it or no sir how about you what you've been doing um i've had a bunch of things i've been listening to but i mm-hmm. i did want to talk about now there are some things that are going to change by Pierre. Um yes yeah. <laughs> um i so last week we said Bier has a new album out. And for those who have not listened to some of our early episodes <laughs> when we kind of introduced Bier, I'll just give you a, a tiny bit of context. Um, Bier is a South Australian artist um, yeah, and he is kind of like a folk slash folktronica um, writer. The first album mm-hmm. he released, self-titled, was more folk, had lots of brass and piano and that sort of thing. Then All Roads came out, which is a little EP, which kind of went the polar opposite with a lot of synths and kind of 80s um, piano sounds and that sort of thing. And then we kind of settled in the middle in what I think, uh, I think he settled in the middle with Now There Are Some Things Going to Go Change, which is his... Um, latest full-length release. So I imagine you've been listening to it too, um, so feel free to yeah. butt in. But um, 
<laughs> but I thought I'd just kind of give it a, a what my thoughts were, and then I thought we could bounce back and that sort of thing. But yeah, I, sure. I've realized that the listening to you've got to really kind of almost kind of separate your opinion from older stuff when you're listening to something which is a bit anticipated and new. That's what I found anyway. Like this, mm. when I first got the album, I had to give it like three to four listens through to kind of lay the ground for kind of building my thoughts and enjoying it in on its own, if that makes sense. Um, and so when I got this, like, it's really lovely. It's like 11 full tracks pretty much. I think there's two that are like smaller ideas, but like there's a lot of songs on this album and there's a lot of work that's gone into it. And you can tell by the production and the, the complexity in the, parts and and the writing itself um so i found that it wasn't as melodically memorable as some of the other songs i re-listened to self-titled yesterday and a few days ago as well and i found that i about eight of the nine songs i really loved the melody of the chorus like it came back to me like oh i love this one i really enjoy this part here that kind of thing Whereas I felt like about four or five songs on now there are some things that are going to change um, were standouts to me in terms of melody and memorability. Memorability. Well, I don't know what to say there. <laughs> Memorableness. <laughs> Memorableness. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, so I felt like, you know, I felt like the production went way up, um, but some of the like melodies and song songwriting themselves went down a little bit. Um, what do you think of that? I don't. Yeah. I, uh, I think the first album was much more bombastic in it's kind of, uh, approach to songs. Mm. Um, in so what I don't way? think, I don't think dynamics, the word like, uh, um, like, the, like one of the, one of the constant things throughout, the all the music that he's presented is like a lot of horns in some fashion mm, yeah. um but in the first album mostly their role is like a really loud injections and kind of like mm. um really like swell and bring up um and i don't think that that's not always the case in uh, in this new record they're sometimes they're a little more subtle and the songs aren't quite as like like big and dynamic um there's a lot more saxophone yeah there's a lot of saxophone and i think that's the the tie-in with like bonnie verse 22 a million um this kind of almost 1980s romantic sax sound um which i don't always love like i think it has its place though i must confess the first track i remember i think it's called is beautiful and it has that romantic sax and I, I love yeah. it. I think it sounds perfect. And that was a, like, that album feels like a warm hug. Uh, sorry, that, that song feels like a warm hug. It's kind of like the chords at the beginning and all that. It's just perfect. I think that's one of my favorite tracks, Bar, Prophet, and the others. I also think that one's probably the most, like, a song off of the first album. Right, yeah. Um, um. Yeah. So... Some of my favorite tracks. So obviously Prophet was incredible and it has the brass of the first album. I Remember is great. Autumn is fantastic. 
um, the drums and kind of the step pro- progression in the sound throughout that song is is really good. I appreciate that a lot. And even um, yeah. Love Theme, which I thought was a little bit kind of mellow or middle of the road, turned out to be one of my faves. And then Pilgrimage, which I had never really exp- – I didn't really know much about this song. When, I mean, as in it wasn't a single and I – yeah, it just kind of came out of the blue. I was like, oh, I really like this. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you, do you like any of those songs in particular or do you have other favorites? Yeah, I think I liked, um, I liked some apart from the ones you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Pilgrimage and the first two openers are definitely like big highlights for me. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, I don't know how to put this. I think they feel like a much more, um, much tighter, complete kind of uh, sound ideas towards the end of them, or like, um, like they know where they're going in terms of writing. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like the intentionality in this album. Yeah, some of the songs feel a little bit schizophrenic to me, especially the autumn. That one feels a little bit kind of disjointed to me. Do you know the track Thirty Three God from Twenty Two A Million? Uh, not off the top of my head. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes. That's the song that I feel is that helped me prepare for autumn. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> um, it's a song that's very similar in almost structure where halfway through the, like after the first chorus, you get this big drum sound and it's, it's um yeah, it links in. I, I feel like that might've been an inspiration. I don't know, but um, that's a song that, I felt like is the brother or sister to this song. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Did you? I mean, I love this. I love the second half of Autumn quite a bit, actually. That's my favorite part of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, it changes. Yeah. There's quite, it goes a bit mellow and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, did you, what did you think of Limbo? The one with the clapping. You have to remember it. I, I have it marked down as a good, um, it was one I enjoyed. It sounded very much like X and Y Coldplay. There's um this bridge part with this guitar solo, and it feels like Fix You. Um, it was just a little bit nostalgic. Um, and I, I mean, it's not one of my favorites, but I kind of liked that throwback and that feel. It felt like we were back I mean, in the early thousands. X and Y is a good album. Yeah, it is a very good album. But um. <laughs> Yeah, I. This is an interesting album, which I feel like is going to grow on me. And like, I feel like my the theme of the past two weeks is the concept of nostalgia. I've been trying to go. Yeah. I don't want to like self-titled just because it's super nostalgic because of the time I was listening to it and the feelings I get when I listen to it. Like, I want to go. Oh, I love this because of these things. However nostalgia and the feelings that you feel when you listen to an album play a huge part <laughs> in it. So I've yeah, been toying rid of those. I <laughs> know, no, no, nothing wrong with feelings. I've just been trying to go and go to recommend to people and say, you know, what do I think of this album? I think it's a fantastic album. I don't think it connects with me as much as self-titled, but mm. I still think it's a fantastic album and I, it will probably become what self-titled is for me later on down the track. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I think um, in terms of, like, uh, thematically, mm. 
like this album is obviously about change. Um, yes. And I need, I need to do some analysis of the lyrics because that's going to take me a few listens. But and there's a big statement on, on the Pierre music website. But also, I think it like, ties together, like, while the old stuff is good, at some point, like, a metamorphosis has to happen musically if you want to try and do something new. And so this is kind of him um, taking new steps that may not have been, or he may not, like, have been 100% sure of, but he wants to take them anyways kind of thing. Hmm. And I, th- I think that's admirable in terms of an, an album project as well. And you've got to move, you got to keep moving forward. Like you got to kind of keep doing things and like, it doesn't feel like he's done a step back. Like I'm not disappointed by any stretch of the imagination. Like I feel challenged and interested and curious and I like yeah. that. So that's cool. Um, I, mean, I do like lo- self-titled come out. Sorry. Uh, 2017. Well, so a lot happens in three years. Yeah, a lot does. So yeah, I um I do love the lyric on I remember I love my friends. I just every now and then these little lines come out and it's just like very. Uh, there's the line coming through my head all the time is like um, at the start of um pilgrimage i got a little lost today i've got a whole lot of money and a monster bag or a monster bed i can't even remember what which one it is but i like (laughs) it when lyrics just kind of surprise me and i go what the heck Mm. does that mean (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking like a show bag from a like i don't know what it is like maybe it's a memory of being a kid or who knows anyway Ironically, lyrics were not something that I was paying attention to a whole lot, but I will be over the next few so, weeks and months. Anyway, I think I've blabbed on. Was there anything you wanted to say? No, I just I really enjoy it. I um, maybe sacrilegious, but I enjoy this a lot more than uh, Bonnie Vera's do stuff. <laughs> no, I to say that like is I comma I was fine. Um, I I mean. Look, that sounds dumb coming from someone who wishes he could write an album that good. Um, like, as oh, yeah, in, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. As in, like, it, I, it didn't grab me the way 22 A Million did. Um, but I feel like, this is the thing, why isn't Pierre getting more attention? Like, this album is great. And, like, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand people's listening choices and i don't know why this isn't blowing up in australia like i'm listening to um, other artists in australia who are kind of getting huge and i'm like there is this artist in south australia and i know it sounds like really corny coming from just some dude on a podcast but i'm just kind of like people (laughs) whatever anyway get on get on board people yeah get on board get this album We'll, we'll we'll do our best how about that sure yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how to rate this, but it's definitely close to an eight. I um, yeah, it's it's a really good album, and I know that I will come to um, love it in the same way I did the first one. So, yeah, people mm-hmm. listen. <laughs> All right, I'll get off my soapbox uh, homework? now. Homework, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put that box down. I will. I will. I'm off the box now. <laughs> So for homework, I gave you an album called Swim Inside the Moon by an artist called Angelo D'Augustine. 
So Angelo D'Augustine was kind of put onto Asthmatic Kitty on this album. He had one before, but um, this was his first on Asthmatic Kitty, and that's how it came to my attention. He's a friend of Sufjan and uh, has played with him on some of his songs on later albums. And so uh, this was on the back of last um, episode's review when you gave me Nick Drake. I uh, kind of saw Nick Drake's influence upon um, Angelo. But mm. I'll leave the rest up to you. Go for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this, um, this album does feel kind of very Nick Drake to me because um, I have obviously listened to Pink Moon a lot. Um, so this is kind mm. of like a... Like a um, a nouveau kind of Californian spin on that kind of folk style, um, just a guy and a mm-hmm. guitar, um, and the songs are all very um, stripped back and basic. It's kind of even less produced than Nick Drake's album even is, and that's from like nineteen seventy something. So this is kind of a very, um, <laughs> it's ironic. Yeah, it's a very purposeful take at at making this kind of music. It's not um, it's not accidental or anything like that. Um, mm. In fact, I think I read that he recorded this in like a bathtub with a reel-to-reel machine, and it's uh, <laughs> he <laughs> liked the reflection of his vocal on the the bathtub and the walls yeah. and things. It, like it, it even sounds like doubled up in parts. And then it's the the room itself, so it's very interesting method hmm. of recording. Um, yeah, and we were reading on his uh, on his on his Bandcamp kind of profile that he kind of. Um, it kind of tries to eschew some of his influences a little bit here, but to me, they're quite obvious. If you, if, <laughs> how, how can you eschew influences? It's like, uh, that's just the way you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, like if you listen, you can hear like little bits of like Sufjan and Elliot Smith kind of lyricism. And then the guitar hmm. work and production of like Nick Drake, Pink Moon is, I think quite self-evident, um, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. no, there's nothing wrong with like being influenced by artists. Not at all. Yeah. Um, but it's this really nice kind of warm um, folk singer songwriter album where there's some complicated guitar work that is very pleasant to listen to. And then you kind of add on top of that, his very high kind of airy vocals that kind of um, mm. melt together over this kind of crackle of the tape machine and they go really well together. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very um honestly after listening to so much like new produced music, it just kind of sounds so different. Um it's like reading mm. a reading an actual like paperback book after using an e-reader for so long kind of just kind of feels different. Um yeah, I don't know if I necessarily love this more than his influences. Like if I were to listen to this instead of listening mm. to Nick Drake necessarily, but they aren't quite, they're not the same thing. Um, but it's his approach is very nice to see in the modern day music industry. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, overall, I really enjoyed listening to it. I, um, it was really pleasant, you know, um, a nice summer evening. And you listen to this while like lying in the mm. grass in the front lawn kind of thing. It was really nice. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, um, I can't remember if I said it, but this was one of my favorite albums of um, the summer of 2017 um, when I was in Vancouver and the song Truly Gone came out and I was like, I must pre-order this album. Mm. This is a beautiful song. So it was just one of the singles available. And it just, I mean, I really love Jose Gonzalez. 
Um, yeah. And so I really love that nylon string detuned sound. And then to hear this, which had that kind of fuzziness as well, like it felt more authentic. But mm. um, yeah, mm. yeah, that, that's kind of, I, um, if you've heard, I don't know if you got to listen to his next album after this, but he, he loses the tape production and I think he loses a lot of the charm too. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I yeah. Some of them are better songs on the next album, which is called Tomb, but I just love the sound of this album. Yeah, it yeah. kind of gives it its own context aside from just the songwriting, like it kind of places it somewhere, which is different. Um mm. Yeah. Uh but yeah. I I I especially well, loved um uh Haze um yeah. on my yeah. way on my way home and i'll wait for the others i think the more upbeat ones mm. i kind of enjoyed more where he was a little more active on the guitar and with the mm. vocals um yeah especially and Hayes. i really like some of the more softer ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah this is, but this was a real treat i uh, really enjoyed this with a nice cool drink in a on a warm afternoon oh good yeah. i'm glad a solid nice. eight, a solid eight out of ten Oh, good. Great. I'm really glad. Yeah, you should check this out, listeners. This is a beautiful album. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you enjoyed it too, Josh. <laughs> um, all right. So this week, or this episode, I gave Asher um, the album Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins. I mm-hmm. have realized to myself that I'm slowly giving you all the top like 20 albums of the nineties from all these lists. And I'm not doing that intentionally. Um, so this is the, uh, the album from 1993 often hailed as the masterpiece of the smashing pumpkins. This is kind of the album that really, um, kick, kick their career off to a full, full bloom. Um, and this is an mm-hmm. album very much comprised of, uh, blood, sweat and tears. Uh, it earned Billy Corgan, the moniker of a musical tyrant. And it spans all oh. these different genres like shoegaze, dream pop, some grunge, some prog rock and metal. Um, it's widely mm. regarded as like a, a very bright highlight of 90s music. So what did you think, sir? You might be a little bit disappointed with my <laughs> thoughts. It's all right. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 go for it. Um, interestingly, I didn't know that this one was their kind of standout because I have always seen Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness or whatever it is around in shops and thought that that was like their album that everyone went to. But um, I have seen the cover of this one and I do, I I recognize it. I don't recognize any of the songs. Now, firstly, when you say like it covers all those genres, it's really interesting because one of my notes is I feel like it's a little bit one sound. Mm. And the, the thing is, it could be the production. The way this is produced, it feels like, there's no dynamic kind of shift in particularly the electric guitar. You know, that kind of distortion where it's like, it's just an on button. There's no like fiddling with the gain or any sort of settings. It's like, I'm playing a distortion sound. And I felt like the guitar was like that for a lot of this album, just kind of a wall of sound distortion, but with no bottom end. So it kind of felt like a little bit samey to me from song to song. Now, the thing is, I realize 
I probably needed to have grown up with this album to mm. really get it. I feel like this is the episode of nostalgia, like where this, um, I think that if I had heard this earlier on and grown up with it over a few years, I would understand it a little bit better because listening to it, it reminded me a lot of the things that I would listen to when I was younger. Um, but I just never got to the smashing pumpkins. Mm. So, um, there it's like, it kind of makes me think of like skate videos from (laughs) the early thousands. And and like, I even like some reason, um, one of the songs makes me think like, thinks of a (laughs) Wheatus, you know, you know, that crap song, um, what's it called? Teenage Teenage Dirtbag. Like, so I must confess, I don't like Billy Corgan's voice. Yeah, that, that, um, I was completely. I think this is one of. I think this is one of the reasons why I never got into the Smashing Pumpkins was that I just didn't dig his voice. I could handle the music. I like elements of the music, but I think that his voice just grates on me a little bit. Like mm. it's just so tinny and whiny and so far back in the mix that like it it doesn't give me much to hold on to, but. Um, so, um, what am I, some of the songs, no, no, no. I've just got, I'm trying to like give you a better picture of like what I'm thinking. I, I didn't super enjoy this album, but I did enjoy parts of it, Mm. but it's just interesting kind of, yeah, you, you feel, I feel like you do a better job of like reviewing albums that I give you that you didn't like so much. I, I'm trying to do the same. <laughs> you can be, you can be negative about a smashing pumpkins. I'm not going to, no, I, I don't want to be just wholly negative. I did like mayonnaise. Um, the song, mm. it reminded me a bit of lift, um, that Radiohead track, which came out 20 years late. Oh, yeah. Um, that kind of, I did like the softer poppier songs on this. So, um, today I really like today. Um, rocket was fun. And then Mayonnaise was really good. I think those are the three tracks that kind of stood out to me. Um, I don't really like sitar sounds with with rock music. <laughs> like, you know, that there's like a there was a phase that people went through where they started including these sounds like tax you know, Taxi Ride? They were a band from the early thousands and even um who wrote Losing My Religion? REM. REM, yeah. They've included, they've included sitar sounds on um, some of their songs and it was just a thing that was done and I just didn't really enjoy it. It is like such a weird appropriation of that instrument. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you're right in that it does go through genres. Um, Disarm, such a strange song to have on this album, mm. right? Because... It's then you suddenly got tubular bells and then strings. And I feel like um, the thing that I find strange is like when a band is obviously a rock band and then they go, hey, let's bring in like a beautifully orchestrated string section that we that really wouldn't we wouldn't do in the in when we're jamming in our garage <laughs> and let's put it on top of our song. And it just feels such like there's such a juxtaposition between the songwriting, his voice and the strings. Yeah. So I found that a bit of an odd kind of combo. As I was listening to it again, I just listened to it a little bit more while I was like having breakfast this morning. And I just, 
I can see where it's heading and I, I feel a bit like a noob who's approaching this. Like I don't have enough back knowledge to kind of enjoy this. Like I'm trying to think of some of the bands that I enjoyed around this. Well, actually this is a bit earlier than I think mm. it's 1993. I was not old enough to be listening to this, this album at the time. Um, but I did listen to other artists later on Um and I don't think I quite got into this genre. So I feel like I'm mm. speaking from a position of ignorance. But do you want to tell me a little bit more about this, the background, yeah, what sure, you sure. like about it? Well, uh, so I'm, I'm curious that you felt that way about Disarm. So one of the things people enjoy about Melancholy, Infinite Sadness is that actually much more of a marrying of their kind of rock and strings orchestration. There's a lot of that on that album, um, hmm. which is why it's kind of more famous. Um, so this is right. their second album. So they've put out an album a couple years before, which is a little more grittier than this one. Um, hmm. But this album is kind of as close to like a Billy Corgan solo project you could get while still being a Smashing Pumpkins album. Um, right. So the whole whole band is like completely falling apart. Um, and like the, their drummer would like go on like drug trips and disappear for like several days and wind up in different cities and that kind of stuff. So Billy Corgan oh, man. was like tying this together and just like yelling at people and would often like go and do their parts himself. Cause like they couldn't do it properly and that kind of stuff. So it was quite a, um, hmm. an endeavor, oh, quite a, quite a white albums experience. White yeah. Album. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. And, you know, you could argue that like out of, you know, conflict, interesting things can happen but so it's basically like butch vig and billy corgan just kind of making this album together um which is why a lot of the guitars kind of sound the same i think um right especially because billy corgan has like one pedal he likes a lot and he uses that a lot which is kind of all over this album (laughs) yeah it just sounded a little bit samey i mean yeah it's a it's a off-model big muff pedal so it kind of just kind of goes all the time um i i don't know i uh i'm glad you like mayonnaise that's actually my favorite song on the album um it's good yeah it's i'm not saying there's no good songs i'm just saying that overall it felt a little samey but yeah yeah, i did like mayonnaise i thought that was very clever i think people were expecting less of the smashing pumpkins when this album came out which is why it kind of did so much. And you think like, this is like a band from like Chicago and like the early nineties and the world's like still on fire because of Nirvana basically. And so these guys mm. are kind of coming out and saying, this is actually something like we can actually hang and like make this kind of, uh, this kind of record, which is, um, Sammy, there are some songs that are standing in some places. I used to joke when I first listened to it, that Billy Corgan can make like three kind of songs and that's it. Um, I think as I've gotten more used to him singing and kind of gotten a little more used to the whininess, I actually appreciate the little thing in this album does a little bit more, especially the drumming together with the, with the guitar mm. work. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I find a lot of this album lovely. Mm. Um, I don't think I've had enough time to fully go. I must confess. I found it hard to just get into yeah. Um, because I didn't really like his voice and I did find it such a kind of bland palette of yeah. sounds. 
I found it hard to dig into. I need, I think I just need more time with it. Um, you know, we need a road trip and we need to listen to this like quite a bit on it to kind mm-hmm. of grasp that. I mean, yeah, I, so, I, had, I had the advantage of an older brother forcing me to listen to these songs when I was a teenager. So it kind of <laughs> wore me down eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't so, know. I, I'll, I'll give, I'll give it more <laughs> of a go. I just, um, yeah, I, I'm not like, I'm not amazed by cool guitar solos and mm. like that just doesn't kind of blow me away. So yeah, it's I, that's very fair. I feel bad. No, no, no. That's very, <laughs> that's very fair. The, there is a chance that Billy Corgan will come after you because he's a bit of a crazy person, but otherwise it's completely fine to have that opinion. There's nothing wrong with sure. that. Tag him, tag him and uh, he <laughs> can Billy. abuse me online. That's yeah. You're going to be chased <laughs> down by a giant skinny bald man one day and just be careful of that. <laughs> All right. Honorable mentions? Yes. I have quite a few. Same. <laughs> Would you like me to start? I got a, I got a page and a half of honorable mentions. <laughs> you might have to trim that down a bit. Here, I'll do my four or five, and then you can, you can go with yours. Okay. Um, the first one is a really left-of-field one. Um, you know the game Cuphead? Mm-hmm. Have you heard the soundtrack? Uh, I've heard snippets of it. It's kind of uh, big band jazz stuff, right? Yeah. Like Dixieland. Three kind of hours stuff. of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ugh. amazing. I haven't listened to all of it, obviously, but I started this off and went, wow. Like it's a live big band and they do a fantastic job of emulating like the 1920s and the feeling from like, playing this psychedelic game so i should uh you should check it out i'm gonna listen to it more um the second thing um i've mentioned them before but there's a australian band called spacey jane who have become kind of the new darlings of triple j um and they have just dropped their new album called sunlight came out maybe a week ago (laughs) and i gave it a full listen and it's pretty fun. If you're looking for something cheery for summer, then I recommend Spacey Jane. Um, a couple of the songs get a little bit similar in sound. Um, I preferred their first EP um, called um, something about an animal, No Way to Treat an Animal. They're, one of their songs, Feeding the Family, is killer. It's an amazing song. Um and so I felt like the album was a little less adventurous than that, but it's still really good. So check out Spacey Jane. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the, the other album that I've been listening to, which kind of, I didn't know whether I wanted to do a full review on this. Um, this is called Vespertine by This Will Destroy You. And I've reviewed This Will Destroy You before, but this album Vespertine just came out also this month. Talk about a crazy month, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of releases. Um, this album is a soundtrack to a dining experience in LA. Um, so yes, you're going to laugh what? at the highbrow snobbiness of this. I'll explain. Okay. Vespertine is the name of a restaurant in LA. Um, it's a very, um, very, very fancy restaurant. I think it's $250 US before tax for a nine course meal. Ooh. Um, and it's 
like if you look at their Instagram, the the dishes are almost unrecognizable as food. They kind of look like art installations. And so this will destroy you a commission to write a soundtrack to the dining experience. So there's a song for when you enter the building. There's a song for when you meet the chef. There's a song for when you eat your various courses. There's a song for where you take a a tour to the rooftop. There's a song for when you go down to the gardens for the drinks. It's like, it's meant to be a sensory experience, you know, audio, visual, and then taste buds kind of thing. So um, I've been listening to that and, uh, you know, some of the tracks are like 21 minutes long. (laughs) So it's not really for people who enjoy succinct pop songs um but it's it's a beautiful album i recommend the song kitchen it's um quite <laughs> lovely are they all named after different parts of the of the, yeah, the yeah, experience they're all named rooftop kitchen um exit Un- kind unco- of thing. uncomfortable table conversation and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> yes yes that's that's exactly what one of the names is um so that's that's my like super snobby album uh (laughs) listening that i've been doing um two more one of them just last friday so like a couple of days ago i was reminded on twitter by uh jay tholan how incredible bill wurtz's (laughs) music is and you might have seen this i saw the statement yeah so bill wurtz for those who don't know is the guy who made the history of the world in 20 minutes um and which is a bit of a viral video, but he is a fantastic musician. Like his production is incredible. It's, it's kind of like funk jazz, um, but it's also got a twinge of internet humor, um, which is, is an interesting little addition. And I highly recommend watching the videos with the music first, because if you don't, it sounds super cheesy. Like it just, all the progressions are like one, four, five, but with like awesome kind of passing notes and, and funky bass lines. But then to see the like videos that he makes is kind of very, very complimentary to the music. So His songs yeah. are so strange. I love them. They're, it's kind of yeah. like th- th- there's two consistent parts, which is like him singing and then like a backbeat. And then you have yes. like seven or eight different, like 30 second or sorry, more like four to five second, like, things he'll just sprinkle in invariably every so often to like add more flavor and then they'll cut out again so like you know they have a song yeah. going and then like a ukulele tiny bit bass tiny bit it's like collage right it's, you're it's, like sticking things in from different contexts it's so it's so schizophrenic because if they're all happening at the same time it would be so much noise because it's like kind of just like chucked at you every so often and just takes you off guard constantly it's so weird there are two songs, so I've been singing in my head Might Quit most of the week. Um, uh, no, most of the past couple of days. And then also there's a song called At the Airport Terminal. <laughs> and he'll interject his songs with what he does in his YouTube videos. He's like, oh, no, I've microwaved my burrito for a, uh, too much time, you know. And he does it in that speaking voice rather than his singing voice. And it just calls back to what he does when he does his videos. So surreal surreal listening and my last one last one i gave you a terrible song to listen to didn't Mm. i what was this song called i listened to it once (laughs) 
Uh, I think it's called Superwoman, something like that. Super Sexy Woman by Sufjan Stevens. Now, the reason I gave this to you is because I re-listened to his album called A Sun Came. And this album is his second, I think. And it is a real mixed bag. So it has that song on it, which is voted as the worst Sufjan song (laughs) in all time. Like... There's someone rated all of his songs, like all 200 of them from best to worst. And this came at bottom, rock bottom. Um, so I gave it to you just because it was terrible. And yeah, anyway, but um, it also has on it some really beautiful songs. Um, so it's really a mixed bag. And it's just got it's got everything from free jazz to like electronica to whatever that song was. Um, and it's just a bit of an interesting listening experience if you are familiar with Sufjan so yeah that's all my uh honorable mentions <laughs> uh okay first honorable mention um this is something that uh you sent to me and mm, is our first listener request um oh yes so quick shout out to Matt G friend of Asher um mm-hmm. hey, so this is a an album called Turas by uh, the Fergus McCready Trio. Um, so Chiros is a piano-driven jazz trio album. And as you may guess from the Fergus McCready part, it's Scottish. Um, <laughs> and so uh, my, my jazz chops aren't uh, hugely expansive. Uh, I've listened to some, but not a ton. Um, and so I did kind of some uh, listening to a lot of uh, piano-based jazz productions in the last week to try and acclimatize again. So I found some mm-hmm. things to listen to. Um, and actually that other one I sent you was something I found. It was like the Claire de Lune jazz cover, which I still quite enjoy. But um, mm, Yeah. Uh, Turos is fascinating because it uh, endeavors to contextualize jazz music and like Scottish folk nuances. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not like talking bagpipes and kettle drums and kilts and that kind of stuff, but it's more, <laughs> um, instead of like having, um, like classic jazz piano runs, it's more, they'll be close to something you would hear on like a Scottish folk reel as a solo instead. Mm. Um, I didn't notice That's any, cool. I didn't notice any specific ones or any like famous ones. I may have been paying close enough attention to it. Um, but it it felt cool, like it, it felt um, folky to me. This kind of piano work and it was really interesting. Um, mm. I had a quick listen when uh, Matt sent it to me, and I sent it on to you. But I will give it a closer listen to listen uh, to kind of hear those reels a little yeah. bit more. I mean, kind it, of feel it help. It helps to me that it also is on the more pleasant side of jazz to listen to. It's not like you know mm-hmm. six eight kind of offbeat doublets at like expressive oh, ranges not, not like the one that i sent you no it's not crazy crazy turkish jazz they like hurts um, me armenian to. armenian I'm, jazz sorry, armenian, thank you i apologize I mean. but that yeah so it's it's like it's nice to listen to but also has this kind of edge of like oh this doesn't feel like contextually american in its composition so it's nice um hmm. second <clears throat> uh so one of my favorite, absolute favorite bands, uh, The Frames, uh, mm. turned 30 last week. And so instead of um, having a bunch of shows like they had planned to, 
um, they had a stream from the lead singer Glenn Hansard's kitchen. Um, I did save this. I mean, this completely halted any progress I was making for this episode, basically. Um, <laughs> I'm impressed you still did your homework with all that's going on. It was hard. I like the frames hold a very special place in my heart. I love their music. And it's been an honor to see them play as a band a bunch of times, including at the mm. Opera House. Um, mm. And it was just a real treat to see kind of them have fun, play some of their older songs in like a kitchen together as like a bunch of like, you know, they're not as young as they used to be and just having kind of a good time still together. Um, and I could speak at long length my love of the frames but i'll probably just give you one of their albums to be honest and we can do it yeah i i think you need to because all i know is the swell season i'm sorry so i mean they're great but i know that the frames kind of are the origins of that yeah and they're they're different entities but this is but this is like Mm. going to like your favorite restaurant and the chef says we have like too much of your favorite dessert so you get it all for free kind of thing it's like yes (laughs) more of this please um yes. all right third i had a look and it was very sweet seeing yeah he does look a little bit older and you know more ginger gray white beard and <laughs> he turned and 50 crammed this into this yeah crammed into this one little space in the kitchen and the fiddle player is at the back kind of leaning over everyone it was look it was really fun yeah it's great um all right third um uh this is a band called press club um they're an indie Aussie punk band that I love quite a bit. Mm. And they've been doing weekly uh, covers by request. Um, and mm. they're really good. Um, so they're kind of like a, how do I explain this? Like a power punk, like, like the singer goes for it in, in their songs. And she has like a really good set of pipes. And so it's nice to kind of hear her try something different musically um, mm-hmm. for these request albums. Like, not just like kind of belt out all these songs. And so it's been fun. And the songs that they've been requested are often quite interesting as well. So it's good to see the kind of band that work a little bit differently. Um, it's cool. And then last, um, actually this is kind of uh, Bill Wurtzian even a little bit. So um, I've had this kind of stuck in my YouTube feed in my head for a, maybe a month or two now. And it's a video of a guy in Japan singing Mamma Mia. Um, <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's... it's I didn't a, even know you liked Ava. <laughs> I don't particularly. Um, it's this, this guy, basically his, like, uh, there's some context to the, to the video. His, his girlfriend cheats on him, and so he takes the money that he would have spent going on a trip with her to go to Japan with his dad. And the two of them film him singing Mamma Mia throughout Japan. And so the filming oh, is all I like... I have seen this. Yeah, it's like yes. ter- terrible filming. Hmm. It's like an ADD child that's filming this thing. And he's like singing on like a car- carrying uh, microphone. And the production's like kind of low quality. It's, it's great. I, I love it to pieces. I do know this, but I will watch it again. <laughs> I, I think I remember... <laughs> yes it's, it's just so strange <laughs> and it came up one day on my youtube my youtube recommendations it's like what is this i actually i love this well i'm gonna keep watching this so um yeah that's that's all i have for my well thanks for listening um i hope that you have found something interesting that you want to pursue and listen to a little bit more please check us out on various social media platforms 
um, if you are interested to keep up to date with what's going on. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can go to our website and check out what's there. And please, if you are interested too, you could give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. You can't really do it on other podcast apps, unfortunately, but you can on that one. So we'd love it if you stopped by and wrote something about what you think, or you could just chat to us on Twitter. That'd be great too. So anyway, thanks for listening so much. And thanks, Josh. I'll see you around. See you, buddy.